Good morning. It is about 7 a.m. on the 28th, I think, of December, and uh, we are going on our walk. Um, walking around a couple of very pretty German Shepherds, just so they don't spook them. Too late. You would think nobody could be more spooked than Ripley. But Miss Ripley is holding it together. If I sound a bit strange, muted, whatever, uh, it's because I'm wearing a ski mask. That's right. You can use Google Glass while still knocking over local beer and wine stores. For the life of me, liquor, liquor stores. Could not think of the term. <sighs> 23 degrees out. So I decided I would try using this thing as a ski mask. I didn't realize how different my voice would sound. At least it sounds different to me. I hope it doesn't ruin the audio quality. Well, let's see. Um, so here's something really cool. I stumbled upon a process, I think I've talked about it before, but I had marked success with it yesterday. And it works like this. A few days back, I was reading this article that said a writer should have a notebook with her at all times. And that... You uh, scroll into the notebook page what you plan on having as your next scene. What you're going to have people talking about, that kind of thing. And so uh, the idea being that during your day, when you reach for your phone to answer your email, instead you reach for your notebook and spend five minutes writing. Five minutes here and there eventually adds up to some serious word count. Uh, I didn't do exactly that, you know, with the notebook and the every time you reach for your phone kind of thing. What I did instead was I set myself little reminders, five little reminders during the day. And the reminders were all titled 200 words. And, because I can do 200 words in five minutes, that's, that's like a couple of paragraphs. That's nothing. That's about 30 seconds of dialogue. So, uh, so what I would do during the day, unless whenever I got that little email reminder, I would uh, open up Google Drive, Google Docs, and... Uh, open up this file called five minutes and then I'd sit and I'd write you know whatever the next section was for the next five minutes 200 words generally more than 200 words to be perfectly honest but who's complaining you know but uh, five different points yesterday 
I put five minutes in. And uh, ended up with 1,300 more words than I'd anticipated. I mean, well, 1,300 extra words. So, yesterday, long and short of it is, yesterday, I wrote 2,300 words. Because I had a 1,000 before breakfast, then another 1,300 during the day. And that's pretty sweet. Really cool thing about that is, if I can keep that up, you know, every day, then it's 2,000 words a day, which means 60,000 words a month on average. And when you consider that 90,000 words is a uh, full novel, then that means you're two-thirds of the way through a novel at the end of every month. Or, to put it another way, every three months, you have two new full novels. That's pretty flippin' sweet. So, uh, don't know if I can do it. But, can you imagine that, though? Twelve full novels. No, not twelve. Uh, six. Oh, gosh, Greek Greece. Uh, three months, you get two novels. So, eight. Eight novels every year. My goal is three. If I had three novels written this year, I'd be doing better than I ever have. So, if I had this five minutes plan, and I just keep that going, along with my morning walk and daily thousand words, then at the end of a year, I would have, oh, let's see, three quarters of a million words written. So that's pretty sweet. And even if I only did half of that, I'd have four full novels. Don't expect I'm going to do half of it, though. I, I like this five minutes thing. And unless something comes up, I'm going to try to keep doing that. Little points all throughout the day, before you go to work, after you get home from work, after dinner. Just five minutes here and there. Had a fun little bit to write this morning, too. Scepter on the run, riding on a cat, who he has named Rusio. It's a reference to Cervantes there. 
And uh, and this is basically the two of them getting caught and uh, Scepter being sold to a pawn shop. Looking at Scepter's storyline, I think I need to reorganize it a bit. I think his story is pretty thin. What I really need to do is throw him a plot twist so that he gets sent back. So far in his story, he's got a whole lot of delays, but not a whole lot of... Whoops, we accidentally sent him cross-country. That kind of thing. Good girl, Ripley. Good girl. We stay out of Mr. Carr's way. Ah... Let's see, what else? Honestly, the 200 words thing was the big thing for me. That was, that was really, really cool. I tell that to people and they just sort of nod and go like, huh, okay, I guess that could work, I could see that. I told Nathan about it and he kind of like, hmm, that may work for you. But it would interrupt. I mean, when he sits down, it's like he sits down and he doesn't get up until it's about 5,000 words. I mean, it takes a 1,000 words just for him to get up to speed, you know? Just to get into his flow. So the idea of sitting down and writing 200 words is just yuck. But for me, it works out pretty well. It's been one minute where I tried to, I mean, I read over what I'd written before, and then spend five minutes writing the next 200 words. And I don't know if it's because I'm writing really simplistic stuff or what, but, uh, but it came pretty easy to me. Morning. Anyway, let's see. So yeah, the uh, 200 words thing is really kind I kind of like the fact that when I'm writing 200 words, I mean, I tend to write in terms of beats. If I'm writing a thousand words, then the last phrase has to be something to hang off of. Some little twist, some little, you know, you're, you're not in the middle of developing a scene. And so, while I don't want to be doing that with the 200 words, it, it seems like a weird kind of experiment. What would happen if every 200 words you had some kind of hook? Just a little enticement to keep going. Geese. So, anyway. So that's cool. Yesterday, 
I uh, got Invito Rex copied up to Patio Book Servers. So that's cool. We should have it showing up on Patio Books in the next, I don't know, few days, weeks, whatever. Need to get back on the Lulu format the Danny and Invito Rex and uh, you know get that done. I'm hoping that uh, in January I'll be able to offer all of my books in hardback. Don't know how I'm going to handle signing ones. I don't even know if anybody's going to care, but you know, you try and make it available any way you can. Let's see, what else? I need to uh, put end caps on Tumblr, Hidden Institute, and VitaRex, all those podcasts. Need to put end caps on there so that they uh, tell people about each other. Tell people, hey, if you like this, you might like this other thing. Do a little cross-promotion between the uh, serieses. Not a lot to tell, really. Yesterday was pretty slow. Went to work, came home, did my words. We had chili. The EP made the chili. She, uh, she got to watch a movie, so she was trying to pick a movie. And uh, one of the ones she was looking at was What's Up Doc, which is one of those eclectic films that nobody's ever heard of, except me. But I absolutely love it. Uh, Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, but they aren't the cool ones. Um, uh, don't get me wrong, Barbara Streisand is amazing in that one. Um, what is the girl's name? Not Bernadette Peters. The one I always mistake for Bernadette Peters. The one from Young Frankenstein. Oh, it's gonna bug me. Anyway, um, it has a lot of great comedians in it. It's uh, your classic 60s screwball comedy, but with some really brilliant writing. Um, just hard to explain. But yeah, I love the idea. You know, I started describing it to to the EP. And uh, I just love the idea that she wants to see it. Unfortunately, she was going to be watching on her Xbox, and we only had it on Blu-ray. Which means that she would have had to watch it while downstairs, and we were in the middle of working on stuff, so... That didn't work out, but but hey, it's Saturday. Might be kind of cool to do that.
So, yeah. Huh. Wasn't that nice? A free grocery cart. Hey. Uh, anyway, uh, what else? Oh, yesterday, Google listed as the top album for the year Kanye West's Yeezus. And, oh my god, it was horrible. They, uh, they offered it for free. So I figured, it's free. I'm not a big fan of Kanye, but I like rap. I like some R&B. Let's give it a shot. And, oh, sweet Jesus, it was horrible. I mean, it was... Ugh. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love some of the stuff like Straight Outta Compton. Uh, I'm one of the few people who is totally okay with NWA. Oh. I think this is the last of the bags. Yep. Anyway, um, the kind of music that he's making, I am generally totally cool with. But, God, this is just bad. Um, hard for me to really explain it. It was just about the most racist thing I think I've ever heard. And, uh, internally inconsistent as well. Which is to say, he talks about how he's just, just an average guy, counting his millions and saying, what's up to Jesus? When Jesus comes by. That's in his song, I Am A God. So, yeah, well done. Um, he's saying he's counting his millions while he's telling corporations that, uh, trying to think of a nice version of this, they can go get lost with their corporations and their contracts because he doesn't need none of that while, once again, counting his millions while saying, what's up to Jesus? And let's not forget, the man has his own fashion line. So, what's up to that? Uh, God, yeah, it was just so horrible. He started tying, doing his hose in with Martin Luther King uh, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream. When a woman takes her bra off, he says, free at last, free at last. That's not the worst of it. That's just the one that I can think of that I could, you know, feel okay with podcasting. Oh, it's definitely not the worst of it. Fist like a civil rights sign. That was probably 
my favorite part. And don't get me wrong, I got nothing against uh, good music with bad lyrics. I mean, I have heard some really stupid lyrics on some amazing songs, and I'm cool with that. But outside of the part that Daft Punk did for him, there was like almost nothing lyrical. The first couple of songs, you think to yourself, if he would just shut up, this would be a good song. This would make a good instrumental. Why don't you sit down, Mr. West, and we'll make some music. And uh, yeah, that goes away pretty quick. The bit where he's uh, taking a Taylor Swift riff has almost no lyrical quality whatsoever. I mean, you don't even know. It's not about finding the chorus or the bridge or anything like that. It's about where's the beat? You know? There is no consistency in the music at all. Which wouldn't be so bad, except that he's going after every single stereotype you have about thug life while doing that. Near the end, I found myself thinking, you know what's a good song? Colors. And that's like freaking 20 years old. But who am I to talk? He's counting his millions. And I'm sure Taylor Swift gave him that track to riff off of. And like I said, Daft Punk's doing his uh, bass for some of it, so I mean, there's got to be some people who like what he's doing. I read some of the reviews, try and understand what I was missing, and people talk about how bold it is, how he's stepping up, he's saying what people don't want to hear. And I don't know, man. I, I, I got nothing against speaking out to the man, but this was just bad. I keep thinking of the definition of pornography. I mean, as close to a legal definition as we've got. Lacking in any redeeming qualities. which supplants the old definition, which was, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. <sighs> way to go, Your Honor. No, wait, that wasn't a judge, that was a senator. Anyway, so yeah, I keep thinking, we could consider that porn, pretty much. Lacking in redeeming qualities. There's one song near the middle. Something about blood and the leaves. Where I think he's going for a uh, a symbolic description 
of birth. But uh, he's all over the place with his analogy. I have absolutely no idea. It sounded, for all the world, like he was saying that he was giving birth. Which I thought maybe was a reference to his mother. But at another point, it's he was giving birth to himself. And, uh, and he watched as it happened. So I was thinking, all right, maybe birth in general. And, you know, yeah, I'm struggling the whole way through to figure out what the hell he's talking about. So anyway, that bugged me a bit. I ended up live tweeting it on Google+. Plus just because it bugged me so much. Somebody posted a video of Seth Rogen and James Franco doing a shot-by-shot remake of Kanye West's Bound 2 which they call Bound 3. And it was kind of funny seeing Seth Rogen playing the part of Kim Kardashian. James Franco was James Franco. But yeah, it's a fun concept. But even then, the music was so fucking annoying. I'm sorry. I try not to swear on this show. It was quite annoying, though. Anyway. What else? Did a lot happen. We're going to be doing a lot of stuff today. The EP has a... Uh, birthday party to go to, and uh, so we got to go get up probably as soon as I get home, and go off and get a a present, we got to go check on those kittens, and uh, then we go play laser tag for the EP's party and uh, I think the rest of the day is free probably work on hardback books can't think of anything else really Oh, Miss Ripley sees the ducks. 
And Shrimpy says, I want to say hello to the ducks. That was, that was a duck. That was my duck call. All right, Ripley, sit. Stay. Stay. Sit. Stay. Sit. Good girl. Okay. Read something yesterday about the uh, Pirate Bay guys starting their own, basically reinventing the internet, using it as a backbone without any centralized servers. Just saying that it doesn't sound too impressive. I mean, they've done serverless BitTorrents for a long time. But uh, this is like, right now, the Pirate Bay is uh, just a list of links, really. It's a database of links that people say, hey, go here to find this. And uh, that kind of a web page would actually be pretty easy, pretty small, pretty easy to serve. Oh, don't get me wrong, we've probably got billions of entries. But we are talking about the internet. Billions of entries is not as massive as it sounds. Uh, so, if I understand them correctly, they are going to do their own browser, as well as plugins for Chrome and Firefox, I noticed they didn't even bother saying they were going to have anything for Internet Explorer because who cares? Uh, and uh, they're going to have their own browser that basically decentralizes the entire site. I've been trying to think of how they do that. All I can come up with so far is that they store encrypted redundancy information on everybody's servers, uh, everybody's systems, making every system its own server, part of the server. Basically, everybody who installs the browser is agreeing to be part of a botnet, if I understand it correctly. And that way, you have a distributed section of the uh, total internet. Well, that total website. See, but here's the thing. If they use decent encryption and they have it serverless, there's nothing anybody can do to track it, really because you wouldn't be sending 
messages to an IP for the Pirate Bay. You'd be sending messages to an IP for a local address. I mean, somebody within your town. Several somebodies, in fact. Every time we make a request, it'd be going in lots of different directions. So there would be a bit of redundancy in terms of page requests. But even so, it'd be very, very hard to track. And you can't shut that down. You can't say, I'm going to create a filter for all IP addresses. And of course, if they're smart, and they are, they're not going to limit it to any given port, so there'll be no way of doing port blocking. And it'll just generally be untraceable. Ah, I say that. If you're, if they do an SSL layer, then you're not only encrypting what you're sending, but who you're sending it to. And the argument could be made that if you're not sending requests to a specific IP address or sending it to an IP address that you've never done before, that could be tracked easier. Which is to say, if you think about it, with all the web hosts and everything, most of your actual queries resolve to a few thousand different systems throughout the world. And if you start sending queries to systems that are not part of that thousand, then that could be tracked. I heard the story about a kid who emailed bomb threat to his school and uh, he thought he was being clever. He used Tor and uh, he went to a local cafe with free Wi-Fi and he thought, that's good enough. That will mask what I'm doing. There's no way they can track me by the IP address and that's assuming that they can jump through all the hoops of Tor. So, instead, what the uh, police did was they started looking for tour access in that neighborhood, anywhere around the school. And there was only one person using tour at the time when the email was sent. And okay, yeah, that's not evidence, that's not proof, but, you know, that's step one. That's probable cause right there. Step two is you go to this kid's dorm room, bang loud on the door, say, we need to talk to you about a bomb threat, and then watch him crack because he thought he was bulletproof. Anyway, long and short of that story was there's not enough people using Tor, so you can track someone just by who's the guy who's trying to stay anonymous right now. So anyway, 
I don't know. It seems like what they're doing could work. I don't work in that level of security, so I don't have the basis to say whether it's right or not, but I'll say that it does sound damn clever. They've apparently also got their secure version of chat coming. I love the idea that people's um, user ID is their uh, public key. So if you don't have the private key, you have no idea who this person is. Love that. recently that people are giving up on anonymity. <laughs> Things like, and this is what's funny, people say Google Plus doesn't make any difference. Google is not making a difference in this world. They're not, you know, nobody's there. It's a ghost town. And then they turn around and say, well, Google Plus required real, real names. So this is changing the way we handle anonymity. just amazes me. I mean, you don't get it both ways. You don't get to say it doesn't make a difference and then it's guiding civilization. And of course, we're talking about Google Plus these days. We're talking about everything Google. Morning. Come on, puppy. People seem to be getting really mad that uh, that the that Google is combining everything in with Google Plus. So now I've got to have a stupid Google Plus profile, whether I want it or not. And of course, the answer is always the same. No, you don't. You don't have to have a Google Plus profile to do anything. But if you want to use their servers, then yes, you have to follow their rules. And honestly, it's pretty easy to fool their anonymity. It's funny, I was reading something yesterday that said there were no new innovations in tech last year. The 2013 was no big deal. And uh, one of the things that they mentioned was Google Glass, saying it was a real letdown. It was like hardware looking for an app. And they said, unless your app is surveillance, there's not much there. Eh. This is one of those things where whenever you talk about Google Glass, there are some people who just say, this is amazing from the beginning. And they say, I can see potential. And they say, I want to do this. And then there are some people who say, I don't get it. And they never get past that point. They will always not get it. 
And as you explain it, they feel like they need to defend their position of, I don't get it. To make it sound like, all right, it wasn't that I didn't get it, it's just that it's stupid. And, uh... I gotta admit, I don't get it. Why they do that. Anyway, we are at the front door. So I hope you guys have a great day. And I hope we're able to talk tomorrow.